This podcast is brought to you by Upcase. Improve your development skills by completing coding exercises that are peer-reviewed by real humans. Learn more at upcase.com. Yeah. Better? What? Yeah, it worked. Skype. Hooray. <laughs> I don't know who I was saying better to, actually. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> like, better than what? Better than not doing the show? Yeah. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Gordon in Boston. And this is Mark in San Francisco. And this is Build Phase. This I'm, is... Not, I'm not feeling well. No? No, I, I have that feeling where, you know, usually you, like, you feel like you're behind your eyes, you know? Like, like you, you're in your head. Okay. You know, the, that's just where the... I'll go you know, with you, sure, yeah. <laughs> that's where the self sits, you know? Sure. The id or something. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I feel like I'm about five feet behind myself, hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think I just didn't eat and had too much coffee this morning and mm. my blood sugar dropped and seems like it'd do it i don't think i'd ever describe my normal state of being as being behind my eyes though <laughs> that's interesting really i don't know i just never think about it oh weird you, it's weird not to think like you think about it a lot <laughs> maybe more than most i guess <laughs> all right like I definitely don't feel like I'm in my foot, you know. Mm. Like that's no, why no, you I say get that. Yeah, that's why you say you have a foot. Mm-hmm. You know, you have instead a instead of like you but, are a foot. Well, yeah, like you're not a body. <laughs> you have a body. But you say you have a head. Hmm. Good point. <laughs> but you know, in the thing in which I have where I reside, it's up here. In in the brain case. Okay. Read a philosophy book, Gordon. <laughs> 50th episode. Yeah. I think this is actually the one-year anniversary of our first recording. No. No, that was last month. <laughs> we missed it. We're, we're, we're pretty close to when the first episode came out, though. Yeah. No, that was last month, too. <laughs> Happy anniversary. We're, we're one year and one day after the second episode came out. So, like, the first not totally horrible episode. <laughs> I liked that one. The second one? Yeah, I remember that one being good. The name sucks. I have no idea what we talked about. <laughs> build packs? What does that even mean? Like a Heroku build pack? Oh, I guess. Okay. So, what's up? Nothing. Yeah. Keeping it light. <laughs> yeah, I could tell. Was your week better? I think my week was better. Yeah, I had a I had a good week. Yeah. Felt more productive. Yeah. Like the last two days, I feel like we just cruised through so much stuff. Like we're getting super close to shipping this app and all of a sudden our kind of list of things that we had to do went from being like I was looking at it going like, oh, man, I don't know if we're going to finish all this stuff to literally nothing. <laughs> like we were we had to find stuff to add to it because we had nothing left and we're sp- still we're not shipping till uh, for another two weeks. Yeah, I think those last set of tasks were so easy because we did such a good job up front. We spent so much time like getting the foundation laid that finishing all of those features was just incredibly simple. Yeah. Like whole features, 160 line diff. Yeah. The commenting flagging thing, I think the final iteration of that is pretty close to great. You know? 
Well, I mean, I just I'm still I'm still uneasy about it because there's still a little bit too much magic for me, and that worries me. But we should probably have we talked about this at all? A little bit, maybe. You know, we've dipped in and out of like view models and communication mm-hmm. patterns and stuff, but nothing in depth. Do you want to talk about this specific problem and the specific solution? Because I actually think it's interesting. Yeah. And I've had conversations on Twitter about this like in the past week about how to deal with this kind of crap. Yeah. So we have a fairly standard app, list of posts, tap a post, go into a post detail. Posts have comments that are visible in the detail screen. That's all easy. We're using MVVM. So you have a posts view model that manages that feed view that vends post cell view models for the individual cells and then post detail view models for the detail view. And the detail view model actually has a cell view model in it because we just reuse that view in the detail because the detail is just another table view. And that was all working great and it was awesome and like we were feeling really good about it and then all of a sudden deletion came up. And so the way you delete in this app is, like, we're not using the swipe mechanisms. There's a button on each cell. You tap it. You get an action sheet because you can, like, flag a post as inappropriate or you can delete it if it's yours. So there's a little bit of hidden logic there. So you tap this button. It shows this action sheet. shows one of two different configurations. It's either going to have a deletion button and a flag button and a cancel button or just the flag and cancel buttons. And then when you tap delete, we need to make a request, and then we need to see that post disappear from the table view. So the complicated thing was where does that logic go? Because the tap happens at the cell level, and the feed has no concept of individual posts itself. All it has a concept of is this, like, I have a collection of posts. I think, I mean, we went through so many iterations, I think three or four iterations of this and the first few were all kind of along the same lines which was tap in the cell send a responder chain message down to the feed view controller to the posts view controller that sends a message to the post view model which then creates a view model for the action sheet and sends that back to the view controller. The view controller creates an action sheet with that view model, presents it. There's also a controller involved somewhere that was the delegate of that action sheet. So that, so saying this out loud again, I'm in, I'm surprised that I ever thought that this was a good idea, (laughs) But, but, uh, uh, the, there's a controller somewhere that's like a delegate of the action sheet so that, it no, or maybe the view model was a delegate. I don't really remember. But then the tap happens and the delegate gets hit. And I think then it goes back to the view controller somehow through another delegate method that says, like, this thing wants to delete the post at this index or this post and hands it the post. And so then you got to hand that post back to the posts view model, which then makes the actual request and then removes it from its internal array. And then you have to send a message back or you pass a completion block so that you can animate the cell out. It's like, yeah, like, God damn, like it worked. It worked really well, but holy crap, man, it was so much to get your head around, you know? 
And iteratively, like I think when we were building it out iteratively, it made sense. Like each step of that process made sense in and of itself. But it was like it's like the whole thing is that's one feature was wacky and weird. There's a bunch of problems at once, right? Right. Well, first, our view controllers have no concept of model objects. They don't know about them. Everything that it's supposed to display is coming from a view model. And a view model basically decorates a model object in a way and gives back tailor-made information. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden you have this task that requires, um, let's see, communicating from view to view. First of all, how does the view controller know that this button in this particular cell was tapped? Then we have to show an action sheet. But there's logic in that action sheet. So that logic doesn't belong in the view. That has to go in the view model. So that requires um, one hop, we'll say, you know, from view controller to view model. In order to show that action sheet, it has to communicate back and forth. Then we show it. Something has to handle the tap. That could be in the view controller. We put it in a controller to kind of wrap it up so we could reuse it. But from there, we have to make another hop to the view model. We have to tell the view model, we want to delete this thing. When it's done, call us back. Tell us what was deleted so we can animate it out. So our process was trying to eliminate hopping back and forth between the view controller and the view model, where typically this would all happen in the view controller, and it'd be fine. I mean, you'd be hopping around between methods, but it's all in one place. You don't have to define new communication channels between these two objects. So it was like four things to solve at once. And it the first case worked pretty well. We weren't animating the deletions out on the view controller. Right. We would just delete them on the view model side and we were KVOing the count and when that would change we would just reload the table which worked fine but I really wanted the post to animate out when it was deleted right and and honestly even without it animating out of the view there's still a lot of headache like I remember I remember when I wrote it down for the pull request and I was writing out the like the order of operations that happened in order to delete a cell and it was like Man, you know, this is a lot, you know, but like at, at a high level, it was a fairly simple concept of, but even now, like thinking back on it, it's, it was way more confusing than it needed to be. And I think the main, so the three, the three big issues with that were causing us to have to go down this path of this really kind of wacky architecture that was really complicated, like I mean, so so the big thing was like that worked for deletions and that worked really well for deletions inside the feed view controller, right? The the posts, all of the posts at once. But then all of a sudden we needed to delete comments and then we needed to be able to delete posts from inside the post detail. So those don't have any idea about this posts view view model, which is like a step backwards in the view controller stack. And then a step up in my head, right, up to the view model. It has no idea. Unless the only thing we would, like, unless we created another wacky connection backwards from the post detail view model to the posts view model that would relay information back up the stack. Like, it was just a freaking nightmare. And then what happens, for example, when you delete a post from the post detail, so we do duplicate that, right? We do duplicate all that logic. And you do delete a post from the post detail. You make the request, you delete the post, and then you pop back. What happens then? What, what is that view? That view controller is still going to have that post. It's still going to be in the system. You have to communicate backwards in order to purge it from the system. 
crazy, like really, really, really weird, just absolutely weird. So the actual act of like removing the post from so the three the three main issues here were uh, aside from like code reusability, right? Were propagating that deletion everywhere, right? When we delete an object on one screen, we want that object to stay deleted on other screens. The second one is and and the way we we were initially doing that was by like literally removing it from the array of posts in the main view controller which would then mean nothing's holding on to it so it gets released because we're not persisting any of this stuff right now um it's all just coming back on in json and then we're parsing it and displaying it so persisting that deletion making sure that deletion is propagated everywhere that's the first problem the second problem is that goddamn action sheet right something has to be that action sheets delegate and that action sheet has to be shown from some view so initially it's like immediately like oh god damn it like we got to create this other object that just acts as this action sheets delegate and we have to pass all this stuff back up to the view controller so they can show it from this tab bar and on and on and on and on and that's that's just a whole another nightmare and then the third thing was i guess uh expandability was a big thing too cuz that was working for deletions but if we wanted to do flagging which can also happen for posts and comments. Now we need to duplicate basically all this logic or put in crazy conditionals in weird places to like type checking. And like there was some nasty stuff that we're going to need to do to support this kind of architecture. And because of that, like we kind of, I don't remember why we started refactoring it. I think the impetus for me was wanting to animate deletions out of the table view. That's what kicked this off. And we knew that flagging was coming down eventually. We were going to have to support this thing and for comments as well. So, I mean, but yeah, but like I'm kind of lumping the first two architectures because the second, the second architecture was moderately similar to the first in concept. You know what I mean? The execution was a little bit different and I can't really remember exactly what was different about it but the first one was slightly different than the second one the only difference is the second one a lot more happened in the view controller and you ended up with an index an index path that you could then pass to or then that you could then delete yourself right but the main the main flow there still was the same which was delete you know moving from the cell basically moving from the cell back up into the view controller and then back into the view model, doing some stuff there, coming back to the view controller, doing stuff, some stuff there, going back to the view model, doing some stuff there. And then like animating a deletion, you know, there were a couple other objects involved, but, but those two first architecture architectures were moderately similar. So then I think I really don't, I really wish I remembered what prompted this change, but we ended up, thinking about it differently so instead of thinking about like how do i get this object out of the system right which was a big problem for us how do i how do i physically remove this object from from the system so that it won't show up in all these different places instead of doing that we started looking at like well if we just added a deleted boolean for example and made it kvo friendly 
we could probably work some magic on that. And then we could do things like instead of having to remove an object from the system, we can just mark it as deleted. And then instead of looking at all of the comments or all of the posts, we can just filter that to only return an array of posts that are not deleted and comments that are not deleted. And so that architecture ended up changing significantly. That was a complicated, like you and I paired on it a bit. I think we talked about it over text message and IM and then paired on it a bit to kind of get it worked out. And then I went back and like put tests around it and stuff like, like got a proof of concept work and was like, you know, this is actually kind of nice. But that was one of the most complicated refactorings I think I've ever had to do just because of the complexity of the old system. And then the new system is still moderately complex, but it's not as it's not as complex. It's much more simplified. But just moving from one complex system to another slightly or moderately less complex system but still complex and then trying to add tests around all that, it's like the first time I've had to do anything at that scale in like an environment where I had tests. You know, so partially like I felt I felt partially safe because I knew that I wasn't going to screw anything up down the line that we were relying on. But I said this to you that one thing that really, really, really would have helped is an acceptance test on top of those integration tests, because that's the one thing that this app doesn't have. This app has a whole bunch of unit tests, uh, almost 600 at this point, unit tests going. So I feel really good about each individual object's stability and each individual object's behavior staying consistent. The problem is the glue layers. The problem is the view controllers, the views, you know, all that stuff is untested just because we don't have a good solution for that. I wasn't willing to go to KIF or anything like that again just because, like, I've gotten burned on it so many times in the past. And, like, you got to be honest, like, there's a number of bugs that have popped up over the past couple weeks now that more people are touching it that would have been – would never have made it to beta testers if we had integration tests. So basically the way – do you want to go over the way the new architecture works or do you want me to – I think you have a bit of a better grasp on it. So why don't you lay it out and I'll provide color. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so basically the idea with the new, the new architecture was to not remove things from the system and filter, right? That was, that's the basic thing. And then beyond that was to stay at that – low level, right? So stay down at the post level. Like I said before, the posts view controller doesn't actually know anything about posts. What it knows about is a collection of posts. So deleting a single post kind of seems out of the realm of that posts view model. So moving that stuff to the post cell view model. So that's the first place that always knows about a single post is this post cell view model. Cause even the post detail view model, it actually, what it actually, what that actually knows about is a post and some comments. It's not like dedicated to the idea of a post it's kind of split. So we move that, we start moving that logic into the post detail view model so that basically what happens, the, the tap registers in the cell, the cell then just, I think it I think it asks I think it I don't think it asks for a view object. I think it asks for a, a it's we we're using um uh the UI alert view plus blocks category stuff. 
um, which allows you to create these button items for action sheets and alert views and then assign them onto action sheets and alert views and assign actions to those in in line. Mm-hmm. It works almost exactly to how action sheets in iOS 8 work. Oh, cool. You have in, like there's an individual class for an item in the action sheet. It gets a title and a and a block. Oh, rad. Okay. Yep. That's great. I didn't realize that that was a new API. That's awesome. So because it because it does that we're we're able to create a view model inside the post cell view model. And that view model knows about the post. So we can we sorry, the post cell view model knows about the post. So we can do those actions there. We can do flagging and unflagging actions there. We can do deletion actions there inside the post cell in the inside the post cell view model. And because we can do those there, when we create this view model for the action sheet, we're able to assign those blocks inside the view model so that the action sheet is directly hooked up to the post cell view model. So this action sheet view model really just kind of serves as a transportation mechanism from the, it's almost like just a little config object, right? It doesn't have any real behavior of its own, one or two things, um, nothing crazy, but it's really just a very simple transport mechanism to get these blocks down into the action sheet. That's kind of how I see it. So now the, the tap comes in on the cell. The cell asks for a view model. It gets a view model, and then it just presents it from self.window. So the cell itself is presenting the action sheet from self.window, which was kind of a uh, – we started looking into, like, let's just put a show category on UI action sheet that drills down into the you know uh, UI application, shared application window, and then to the root view controller and just show it from that. That's just overkill. Like, if we just show it from the window that the cell is in, that will work, you know? It's probably one of the few places where I still don't feel hundred like it feels a little weird presenting an action sheet from a cell, but not doing that added way more complexity than like I, I felt I felt I feel much better about this little weirdness than I did all the complexity that we were able to remove. So this so the action sheet pops up, you tap us you tap us a, uh, a button on the action sheet, and that just goes right back to the post view model. And the post view model is able to make that network request, delete or flag or unflag a post, and then it just sets those Boolean values on the post. And since that post was just handed to that view model from the post's view model, that change, that deletion is propagated back up the chain. We also, inside the cell, we KVO the deleted Boolean and whenever that fires, if it fires to true, if it fires and says, yes, we have deleted, then we send a responder chain message that says post cell wants to be removed and sends itself as, as a sender. So that all you then have to do is the, the main table view controller gets that message, asks the table view what index path that cell is at, and then just removes it and does whatever animation you want. So it's still like a a moderately complicated system to delete a single post, but like all of that is tested, you know, except for, except for again, except for this glue stuff, you know, the react. So the magic stuff that I was saying still bothers me a little bit is KVO stuff, 
is a little magic-y and the responder chain stuff. Yeah, it, it moves the it moves the hub from the feed, like the list view controller, down into the cells view model. Right. It's very much happening at the at a layer that's scoped tightly to one post. Instead of having this thing that's concerned with an array of posts, having to focus on this one post for this moment. And you know, that has complexity because you have to keep passing around, well, which post is it? Which index is it? You don't want the view controller knowing about the post. You want it dealing in index paths. The view model's having to make this translation back and forth all the time. It really makes sense to have it down at the lower level. I agree with you the bit about KVO being weird because it's really reliant on the fact that the post cell view model has the same instance of a post that's in the collection at a higher level. Right. If we were in Swift and these were structs, this would not work. <laughs> no, not at all. No. That part bugs me. Yeah, the the flagging something is deleted and it's just like, hey, this, you know, this just happens to be the same instance that's back there. So it's not great, but it would work the same way if we had a persistence layer. You can almost look at it like we're just using an in-memory store here. Like if this is a persistence layer and we marked one post as being deleted, we expect that that change to propagate everywhere that we had that post. Maybe we need to do a fetch or something, but we'd expect that change to propagate for that instance of that post. That's a good point. Yeah, you know, it, like I'm I'm totally trying to talk myself into not thinking it's weird because I do still like I understand how it works and I still think it is still just a little weird. It's not perfect. Uh, it's you know, but we battled this freaking part of the app significantly. And it's and it's the one part of the app where I've had the thought of like, ugh, if I just didn't care about testing and didn't care about using this MVVM thing, this would be so simple, <laughs> so amazingly simple to do this. Like if I used, if I just wrote super shitty code and I just used tags, and <laughs> not, but you know what I'm saying. Like if you just used tags and did everything in the view controller and just had no view models, this would be dead simple. 100% dead simple. I think it would be ugly, and I think it would be worse code. I'm not saying that just because it's easy, like, the easiest code isn't always the best code, I think. Yeah, you'd have all this um, logic laying in a place where it doesn't sit along a boundary. It doesn't sit in a place that it can be tested. It's all just locked up inside the view controller, completely untestable. Right. It could go wrong in so many places. Yep. I may try to... I guess mock up a little bit of this and throw it up on GitHub so that people can look at something, but it shouldn't be that hard. I'll try to put something up, but no, but so once, I mean, so once we got that in place for deletions, all of a sudden, like I was just working on deleting from the post feed view. And then all of a sudden I was like, holy shit, I need to make like basically no changes and this already works at, on the post detail. All I had to do with the post detail screen, the only thing I had to do was pop the view controller. That's it. That's the only – and then change it so that it reloads the table view on view will appear, the main post view controller. That's it. That's the only thing I had to do. And then for cell deletions, those use the exact same architecture, you know? So it was like, again, just very, very simple, except for that instead of coming from – no, it still all happened at the cell the – the, the comment cell view model layer instead of the post cell view model layer. But it's the same 
same concept. Here's the one place where, you, where we've scoped one view model to one object. Do everything there and then ev- let everything propagate back up. One bit we didn't discuss that made that easier was that our action sheet view models, because it's basically the same action sheet with the same logic that can work for posts and comments. They don't know about posts or comments. Both of those objects conform to an actionable content protocol, and that's what that knows about. And so the actionable content protocol basically bounces through, I'm deleted, I'm flagged, and here's, here's what I am. Here's how I should be represented as a string. Yep. So that lets you have things in the action sheet that say, delete post, delete comment, right. et cetera. Right. I think we could have extended that maybe a little further. I'm thinking about it now. Our single model action sheet, so to speak, could probably just take objects of that protocol and mostly still work. You see anything wrong with that? No, there's just so much coupling between a post and a post cell. And a, well, although they're, those view, view-wise, those are very, very similar. Mm-hmm. My initial thought was to reuse the post cell view model and to reuse the four comments and to reuse that cell itself for comments. But there were just some subtle tweaks that are subtly different. You know, comments didn't have a title. They're squeezed in a little bit so they have just at a you know there's just design things there's you know there's a 10 point padding on the left and right of the cells that would have been a pain in the ass to do like we would have had to take that cell and embed it in another view and squeeze it and do all this kind of gross stuff that we don't have to do because i just redid it i think that was the right choice yeah i do too Protocol, the protocol thing, though, like I do think that that's something that we haven't we haven't taken advantage of as much as I think we can, and I think that's true of the community as a whole, or at least most of the community. You know, yeah. I think, think lar- I think largely speaking, people think in objects, not in behavior. Yeah, or interfaces or types, you know. The the thing that's kind of gotten me more and more and more and more thinking about this is just seeing more Swift code come through. Tony's JSON thing, the way he ended up extending his use of JSON parsing and protocols and all this stuff, and he ended up reworking his entire network stack to use that this concept so that you literally just do like you have a global function called like create and you just pass in the model and like all these models are conforming to a protocol. So they all know how to create themselves on the server. Basically it's kind of like a wacky idea and I don't think it necessarily belongs on the model, but I like that idea of moving away from one-off standalone methods that do one specific thing to trying to generalize those into methods that they take a thing and then do a common action with them, right? That's a very functional approach, right? That's why Prem was, Prem, one of our coworkers here was talking about how arrays don't have uh, like a contain object method. He's like, what the hell? (laughs) And it's like, well, there's a global contains method or function that you call and you pass in a collection and you pass in an object. And that's weird. And you you talked about this too, where that's weird and it's a totally different mindset 
But, I got all curmudgeonly about that a few weeks ago. But 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 what it ends up happening is that that's a much more flexible function now. That's a much more flexible function. It's a much more flexible implementation. You don't have to implement different functions for different things that could possibly be collections. You know, all of a sudden this thing works on arrays, dictionaries, uh, strings, ranges. Anything that can conform to this protocol, you can pass it in. You you know do do common objects or common operations that you'd want to do. I think that's I think that's the most interesting stuff right now. And I think that you know our view models and our model objects and our API client too. I think could have used some. Like, for example, we have some very, very basic – let's go back to those same operations. We have delete post, delete comment, flag post, flag comment, unflag post, unflag comment, right? Six methods that do three actions. Like, what if we were able to extend your idea of this actionable content so that your actionable content – you end up with one API method, create, delete actionable content. And then you pass in an object or you pass in some kind of config object, right? Maybe it's not the model object, but maybe it's some kind of config object that knows the endpoint that it needs to hit, that knows, you know, what type it should end up with. This is easier in Swift where you have generics. And so he was able to do all this wacky, super wacky generic stuff where, you know, you get type safety in this situation. But but like in these, in this case, those all had the exact same signature. Delete object, pass in the model object with completion block, and then the block just returned a successful yes or no value. And the implementation of all those methods was exactly the same. In fact, we refactored it out into a helper method, you know, a private helper method that did this, where you make the request in the specific endpoint and then pass it to the helper object, and the helper object makes the request, ignores the JSON entirely, just checks to see if there's an error, and if there's an error, it returns no, it wasn't successful. If there's no error, it returns yes, it was successful. That's it. There's nothing about that that's inherent to, that's that's tied to posts or comments. You know, I've been thinking lately that I slightly disagree with the fact that we, or that our API client has methods that know about our model objects. Mm-hmm. I've been iffy on that. What you've described sounds like a good middle road. Mm-hmm. It makes it easy to build requests when you just shove model objects in instead of their primitives. But it's weird coupling. There's a lot of duplication there. Yeah, I get that. My argument with that has always been that I don't want to know at the view model level or the view controller level or any other level how to make a request right i'm just looking at it from a different the different side here which is that i think that the networking layer the api client layer not necessarily the networking layer right cuz keep in mind like the network the actual networking layer of our app is one class and it's like 30 lines and all it does is perform a request and parse json that's it. It doesn't know about model objects. It doesn't know about anything. The API client is the thing that knows a little bit about model objects. 
But I think that it has to in order to encapsulate the server's behavior in an object, right? Because otherwise, where do you start creating JSON payloads? I don't want to confuse the fact that in my head, the networking stack of our app itself has multiple layers to it. That there's the, the actual networking stack is tiny and at the bottom. Everything around that is just convenience for creating requests with model objects and then handing model objects back. And I see it as the network client that sits at the very bottom is, is like the plumbing and that, that the API client, everything underneath this API client namespace is like modeling the server itself, you know? So it's modeling the behavior of the server. And the server says, I need to create a post right now. That's the intent that I'm giving to you, the server. And the server says, okay, cool, I'll create a post. And then what it hands back is another post. If you start trying to get away from that and getting towards like create post with body, user, name, location, you know, you start pushing that stuff up higher in the stack, and where does that end? At some point, you're just you're just going to have these ugly long methods. Part of it is a is a aesthetic thing, honestly. Like I hate seeing create thing with this and this and this and this and this and this and callback. <laughs> you know, I can't stand that. But I do understand what you think is weird, and I do also think that moving to protocols and having our objects conform to protocols would satisfy both of our concerns. That we're able to model what does it mean to create a thing. We're able to model that at the networking layer. And at the model layer, we're able to say, like, here's how this thing is created. It only gets weird because you start to have to... I still don't think that it belongs on the model object itself. For example, you're going to need... Somehow, you're going to need to pass in endpoints somehow. So am I hitting the posts endpoint? Am I hitting posts slash comments? Is this a post request? Is it a get request? I think that, that kind of thing can be handled at as long as you have a consistent API. Like actual HTTP protocol stuff could probably still be handled at the API client level, you know? If I'm deleting, I'm going to make a delete request. If I'm updating, I'm going to make a put request. If I'm creating, I'm going to make a post request. If I'm fetching, I'm going to make a get request. You know? So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm really happy with the architecture that we have right now. Chad actually, <laughs> Chad Pytel, our CEO, asked me yesterday if I was okay. Because <laughs> he'd been listening to the podcast. And I've been complaining a lot. <laughs> I think we both have. <laughs> but <laughs> I explained it as like just, yeah, you know, like in all seriousness, this code base that, uh, that we've written and this app, I'm happier with this than probably anything else that I've written ever. It's proved a lot of my assumptions right in terms of it's the first real app where, I, where I've tested at this level. And where I've done this much true TDD, 
and it's proven a lot of those concepts right for me. It's even almost gotten me, almost gotten me to that point that I've talked about a number of times where you start thinking about things backwards and you start going like, oh, I don't know how to implement that because I don't have a test. You know what I mean? Like yeah. instead of thinking like, I don't know, how, how am I supposed to test this? I don't know how to implement it yet. You know, I'm almost there. I'm like, I'd say 85, 90% there in terms of like making that mental jump to thinking about it the other way. And that feels awesome. Honestly, I really like that that's happening. And then I feel really good about this MVVM thing. I think that it's it's proved to have a whole bunch of benefits, even if it means that some specific things like deleting a post and whatnot end up a little more cumbersome. I mean, those stats that I was talking about two days ago, the entire the entire we have like ten thousand lines of code, production lines of code in this, right? Ten thousand lines of code, zero classes over two hundred lines. Not one. Not one class in the entire system is over 200 lines. I've never written an app that that's true for, ever. Yeah. In fact, 250 lines was always my, like, that's one. I think we said it on this show about, like, you start to see a view controller hit 250 lines. You start to think maybe I should start to refactor some stuff out. Like, we haven't even approached that baseline that we had set that we had internally that internal baseline for when stuff is starting to get out of control and there are still classes now there are still classes that i look at i think the biggest one is well one of the view models is 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 huge and needs to get broken up the post detail view model specifically i think but the post detail view controller is also very large not 250 lines, it's like 160 lines. And even that one, I look at, every time I open it, I look at it and go like, I feel like I could pull something out of this. You know, some testable object that I can get out of this code. Because that's kind of been our unspoken rule, right? Is we're just not going to test view controllers. We're going to test model objects. And let that force you to pull things out of your view controllers. Right. So we still want to test things, but we're not testing view controllers. So your only your only course of action is to just get them the hell out of there. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, I mean, six six hundred tests, seven thousand lines of unit tests, ten thousand lines of production code, no classes over two hundred lines, entire classes that do you know have tons of network activity that don't that are like under fifty lines. Like all that entire registration process, none of those classes, the entire re- it's a registration process. None of those classes are over fifty lines. That's massive to me, man. That's 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 huge. Like that makes me feel so good about this app. Yeah, those stats blew me away. Yeah. Can you hear the excitement in my voice? <laughs> I can't. This is as excited as I get. <laughs> yeah, I think that a lot of the frustrations over the past few weeks have been because of trying to learn MVVM, trying to wrap our heads around it. This is really the first project. We've talked about it for a while. We did some kind of preliminary tests on on a side project, but we never got even close to this far with it. So trying to get our heads around MVVM and then getting to that point where all of a sudden our app is hitting a level of complexity that is non-trivial and trying to deal with how do we deal with that 
in, under these constraints that we've set up for ourselves inside this newish architecture that we're not entirely I don't want to say not entirely comfortable with, but haven't fully grokked yet, right? We don't really know the best way to do this stuff. We're just kind of like, this feels like the best way. I was just mentioning to you the other day that working with view models at this scale has finally made apparent to me why things like Reactive Cocoa exist. Right. Like after ruminating on these problems and these architectural decisions and trying to find the best way and working my brain into a knot, I went back and read Reactive Cocoa the other day. I'm like, oh, yes, this makes perfect sense. This is a great way of describing communication <laughs> right. in our application right. at a very high level. Right. Do I want to do it in Objective-C? Eh. Yeah, I don't know. I kind, really. of feel like, I kind of feel like I'll wait until Swift. Yep. Just right in the deep end. <laughs> Just like, let's do new language, new architecture, new frameworks. Let's pull Swift-Z and Reactive Cocoa, and MVVM, and Swift itself into an app. And let's just do everything at once. <laughs> you know? But there, I mean, like you're saying, like there are a number of places. I think all the responder chain stuff, I feel like we could have gotten rid of that with Reactive Cocoa. My very, very like uneducated stance on Reactive Cocoa is that we probably could have gotten rid of the responder chain stuff. And we also probably could have had a... KVO-ish thing that felt more declarative than it does now. Yeah. And that would have been nice. I'm, I'm open to it, you know what I mean? But, but I really do think I would wait till not – this isn't my suggestion to people <laughs> to wait. I'm just saying me personally, like I'm trying to wrap my head around Swift right now. I'm trying to wrap my head around Swift. I'm trying to wrap my head around this functional stuff that Tony's been writing about. And I want to link to his blog post on json because i think he's done some crazy cool stuff in swift and i've been blown away at how fast he's wrapped his head around these functional concepts i want to so i want to i want to really really learn that stuff and i've said this a number of times about the functional i feel like i've been saying this for about a year (laughs) but you know so i really want to learn swift i really want to learn the functional stuff i don't want to go back i'm not i don't feel like i should be spending my time backtracking and learning Objective C APIs. Is that really weird? No. What? Well, what APIs are you? Are you you're talking reactive about reactive cocoa and API. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm with you. I I agree. I'm coming from a different place, which just which is aesthetics, which we've also talked about here, mm-hmm. and that reactive cocoa lives and dies on the ability to chain blocks together, and but chaining blocks in Objective C is just hideous. Yeah, horrible. But the second you have trailing closures and you can just chain off those and those return self and it's just kind of like clean and nice and you know exactly i've yeah. seen yeah i've seen some stuff in swift that resembles what reactive cocoa looks like in objective c and i'm like oh no that actually doesn't look horrible there aren't 15 square brackets at the end of this line you know what i mean big fan anyway anything else to talk about well at which point are we gonna play airplane and start <laughs> watching the movie the whole thing <laughs> Buckle up. There's two more hours of this podcast. <laughs> I don't even have it. Do you have Airplane? Nope. <laughs> someone was – someone – who did that? Someone on Twitter suggested that we do – hold on. I'm going to find it. Cody Coons. I hope that's the way you say his name. <laughs> well, that's how it's spelled. Cody Coons. 
Anyway, he was saying that we should watch Airplane and Zero Hour. Do you know about Zero Hour? No. Oh man, I'm gonna put this link in the in the show notes because it's awesome. Zero, Airplane is based on an actual movie called Zero Hour, and there are shot. There's like it's it's almost just a direct satire of this old movie called Zero Hour. Like there are shots that are just pulled straight out of Zero Hour, except for that they have Leslie Nielsen in them, and they're funny. <laughs> like it's so amazing. I, I suddenly understand why airplane has the exclamation point on it because zero hour is zero hour, not just zero hour. Like right. the title of the movie has an exclamation. Point. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I, it's, I, a gr- it's a fantastic mashup. Like you have to watch this thing because it's uh, I'm reading the Wikipedia page. Apparently this movie. Well, first, I, I, knew, I knew that. I, yeah, I knew that airplane was based off a movie. I didn't know it was called zero hour. Apparently zero hour itself is an adaptation of a 1956 Canadian Broadcasting Corporation <laughs> play called Flight Into Danger. A play? Yeah, I think we should go all the way back, watch yeah. Flight Into Danger first. We'd have to find a production. How do you find a Canadian... Oh. Is there like a... Like, where do Canadian plays even happen? Uh, do we even know any Canadians? No, not one. Oh, uh, I'm kidding. JP. I know, I was trying to be a jerk. No, I, 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 I don't. Know, I don't. Know. I know a bunch. We work with some. Do we? Yeah, Joel's Canadian. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> well, but he lived in San Antonio, so I just oh, think of him yeah. as from San Antonio. Right. <laughs> anyway, so no, so so I think the first problem is trying to find a Canadian. Well, because we have to see it in the native Canadian. If we're going to see a play, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to see the translation, right? <laughs> Uh, uh, Native Canadian is going to be such a good show title. <laughs> is that it? I think that's a high note. I think we should wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Show notes for this episode are going to be found at podcasts.thoughtbot.com slash buildphase slash 50. And as always, we'd like to hear from you. So email us at buildphase at thoughtbot.com or reach out on Twitter at buildphase. And as always, we appreciate ratings and reviews on iTunes. You guys have been doing a good job. Did we overtake giant robots yet? I haven't actually looked since we asked. All right. Well, I just said everyone was doing a good job, so <laughs> we'll I hope I'm not ass- lying. We'll just assume they have been. Hold on. I'm going to look right now. How many did I say they have? We got some more. We're up to 29. Oh, not bad. I think giant robots had 40-something. I think it was 50. Giant robots. The third result, if you just type in giant, is giant boulder of death. Now I kind of want to see 56. So we got a ways. We're halfway. But one of those is a four star. So, you know. Oh, that's rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll talk to you later. Okay, man. See you. Later. Later.